Welcome to the Yankee Cowboy Podcast. Coming to you from Dallas, Texas, here's your host, Tim Wilkins. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Yankee Cowboy Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Wilkins, and I'm also joined by the co-host that should not be named, but is named every single week. Chris is joining me again for today's topic. Uh, it's actually a kind of a good one. It's a sports topic that I think is very interesting to the entire sports world. Uh, it is the NASCAR. Uh, well, it's a couple topics, really. It's kind of tied into one here. Tied in the, it's a NASCAR I would say the future of NASCAR is probably the best way of putting it, Chris. What do you say? Yeah, yeah, Tim. Uh, thanks for having me again, as always. Uh, I, yeah, without a doubt, this uh, this could be. I think if it's not handled the right way, it could be a, uh, a monumental step backwards for uh, really for American motorsports, and in a way, it could be history uh, repeating itself. So you know, we're, and we're going to, in regards, we're going to talk about the. Uh, charter system that's uh in nascar it's been uh instituted over the last uh, almost well more than more than half a decade almost three quarters of a decade um and then as it ties back into the uh into the upcoming television rights uh deal which is set to uh set to renew in, in 2000 and, uh, at the end of which is set to run out at the end of 2024 that's when i think you know it's uh it's pretty important that we kind of talk about it uh, in a broad scheme here, is that one does directly affect the other. And I think myself included here as a large NASCAR fan that I've been over the years, I guess you can say that we have never really seen this kind of uh, pivotal point in, in the history of the sport where we're looking at a kind of a, not a dark window, Chris, I would say, but it's a very, it's a very narrow focus, but it's a very, very realistic an omnibus feeling here is that over the years, and I, I will say this, Chris, as a span, as a fan, we've seen large corporations leave the sport in some way, shape, or form. Obviously, everybody that watches NASCAR understands about the Kyle Busch scenario with uh, the owners uh, of the M and M's and Nestle brand, uh, you know, ST brand that you know that runs, you know, candy. Obviously, Lowe's leaving the sport with Jimmy Johnson uh, and Hendrick. Uh, Exalta used to be known as DuPont, uh, has really, really widely downsized their operation over the period of time. A lot of big, a lot of big corporations are no longer investing into the sport of NASCAR. So what you're seeing, and obviously, Chris, that's a other conversation, but I think it kind of drills into the to the, the media deal, which we can kind of go into uh when we kind of narrow, we kind of pivot to that because this this the system that we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen, is the charter system, which just came about. I would say within when, Chris, you say within the last five years, give or take, probably about uh, twenty fourteen. Uh, Two thousand and sixteen was the first okay. year. Okay. Uh, was the first was the first year of the, of the charter system in NASCAR, and, and to kind of give people a, 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 who may not either follow the sport or understand it. So prior to the prior to the to the charter system, there was no, you know, we'll use the term franchise model in racing. When you think about 
most stick and ball sports. Um, you know, they're all unionized. You have the players, players union. Um, there's revenue sharing. Uh, each each uh, you know NFL team is considered a franchise. They're they're made whole by the by the league itself, and and as a, as a whole it's of itself, the biggest obviously revenue space is uh, the television rights uh, broadcasting, and then from there comes down to uh, license and merchandising, ticket sales, and really their smallest area of um, of their business model is is sponsorship, is corporate sponsorship. Now, when you look at motorsports or, or network, and we're talking in particular NASCAR, the whole business model is flipped. Um, over eighty, over eighty to ninety percent of their operating budget is based solely on the idea of corporate sponsorship. So, you know, Tim, as you mentioned, the loss of, of some of these major, you know, Fortune five hundred, Fortune two fifty, Fortune one hundred companies pulling pulling their their advertising dollars out of motorsports adversely affects um, you know these organizations. Um, big way so uh from that from that perspective the business model as a whole is looked at as, as being broken uh, because again so much is relying on corporate sponsorship and then everything else trickles down from a, from a television rights uh merchandising licensing standpoint to the way these teams are funded ultimately these teams are, are, are let's just use the phrase they are money pits there's um you know when you look at the the average cost of of an NBA or an NFL franchise being sold here in the uh, the one to two to three to four billion dollar range, you know, race teams ultimately are uh, pennies on the dollar. The equipment itself is, is really just pennies on the dollar. There's really not a ton of intrinsical value that is brought into these to these race teams. So to segue back, uh, this charter system was instituted in 2016 as a way to provide value to these teams. So um, if, an, if a person wanted to, to wanted to invest in motorsports, um, the charter system, uh, which we don't, you know, as fans, we don't have a full broad perspective of everything that is included in the charter system, but there is a guarantee of several million dollars um, for these teams that have a, a charter. With, the, with these charters um, over the last several years, because of uh, involvement from new ownership groups and new, new new teams, the value of these charters has has grown almost like you would what you'd see in a yeah uh, um, you know, in, in a in a property if you if you were to buy property or buy something. Expand. You've seen it. You've seen it in the last five ten years with NHL. The amount of expansion teams and movement yep. you saw in the NHL with obviously the Seattle Kraken. Uh, and, and things like that. I think, Chris, what I what I want to kind of guide and talk about, and not to cut you off here, is is really the the last couple times we've seen these. We saw this this recently with Chip Ganassi leaving the entire sport and and of NASCAR. He has not left motorsports. He still obviously owns uh, an IndyCar team and etc. But there's obviously value of the race team involved here, but what you're seeing is something unique in the sport that I, I don't think. So the article we're going to talk about here is this last week, uh, a top of Na- a top group of NASCAR team owners skipped a meeting with C- series officials. Uh, looks like it would be last Wednesday uh, with two sides at an impasse over. Basically what it comes down to is the ownership wants to keep the charter system intact permanently 
and NASCAR as a governing body does not. That's the, the kind of the crux of the matter. Um, every single team did not attend. Uh, from what I understand here, it said that it NASCAR did make a mention here that it planned to hold a meeting anyway, but the teams did not attend. Uh, said Curtis Polk. He's a, a part owner of the 2311 race team that this started with Michael Jordan and Danny Hamlin, who was, I would say, a, a, a sole by finish beneficiary of the charter system. Uh, those guys are and being able to start a race team because Chris, I think you can talk about this, that there was no new ownership coming into NASCAR. There wasn't very many new, I think the last big major ownership was Red Bull, I think, and Michael Waltrip Racing. Yeah, um, uh, Red Bull, and, Michael Waltrip Racing. But we we had seen uh, we had seen multiple owners like like mm -hmm. Marty Bister who owned Furniture Racing, Bob Levine who was involved with the uh, Levine Family Racing. We've seen and, owners. Uh, we've seen owners kind of migrate a little bit too, like get bought and sold by different people into other ownership groups too, yep. and we've seen that. I think it's. What, what's clear is that you can see that some of the younger generation of ownership groups here, I'm not going to say any names, but my one of my, I would say, candidly, my favorite race car driver of all time, uh, Jeff Gordon, obviously has a very vocal stance on this issue. Uh, and he's taking it and he's kind of not saying unionizing the ownership, but he's taking a very hands on approach with this stuff. Uh, contradictory to what people might think about him as a Hendrick motorsports executive with getting their suspensions removed. Um, that's another time or place, but as a person that loves motorsports, I think Jeff Gordon can kind of go. And also the president of Joe Gibbs has made a yep. stance about it. Um, Dave yep, Alpern is his name. Yep. Uh, Steve no Newmark of uh, RFK racing has made his stance known. Um, it is not, NASCAR is pretty much keeping their feet in the in dirt, in the mud, and saying, we're not going to make this permanent. And the NASCAR ownership says, we do. So what I think, what it comes down to is also, the owners went public last October with their frustrations as well, considered a broken business model in which racetracks and NASCAR make the bulk of the money and teams are forced to fund their organizations through outside sponsorship, which as a whole, as a governing body, I think NASCAR has kind of gotten a head over their, their own, their, their, as they outside their pants in this situation, because you've seen this on the lower levels of NASCAR and auto and auto racing as well with other types of cars, late model, uh, wheel and tour mod tour mods, uh, you know, other other series have actually started to prosper now um, because they're not governed by NASCAR in a sense, you know, cars well, tour and stuff like that. I mean, I hate to say it, but like you're starting to see a resurgence of local racing that is not due to the part of Chris. What I'm getting at here is because of NASCAR, the governing body, you know, well, I, well let, let me let me let me one quick thing about that, even even though those series. All, all those series itself, I think you mentioned Cars Tour might be the only exception. All those series itself are sanctioned under the NASCAR, under the NASCAR bar mark. So they are all, they're all considered. That, that new NASCAR tour that's out on Thursdays now, what's it called? It used to be on CBS or still, it still is on CBS, right? No, not, right. not, yeah, SRX is a totally different yeah. thing. But yeah. when you mentioned like the, the Wheel and Modified Tour, all those different series are under, are under the NASCAR blanket. And then 
in, in turn that those tracks, that many of the tracks they compete on are part of uh, what's called the NASCAR Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Series, which is which all those tracks are sanctioned um, by by NASCAR, have a have a license with, with NASCAR itself. Um, but I think one of the things too we, we, we can we can certainly touch on. I definitely want to get your thoughts on it. Is when we look at the business model itself, um, and yes, we've seen new investments for the, the Chip Ganassi of the world who sold who sold their charters. Um, you know, were able to recoup not obviously not all the money that they've spent before, but recoup some bit of funds by um, by the selling the buying and selling of these charters. And I and I think one of the things we could tell people as well is uh, Denny Hamlin's podcast, the uh, uh, Actions Detrimental which is, I think is one of the best podcasts. He lays it out really, really well what these owners are, are truly dealing with right now um, in NASCAR. And, and, and really, where, where reason for this, um, this boycott or sit out of this meeting was that they feel like, and, and you touched on him, is that they feel like that NASCAR, which is you know, still controlled by the France family, is not negotiating in, in good faith. And ultimately, they feel like if, if something needs to get done, it needs to be, Jim France um, and and Lisa France Kennedy at the table um, to make negotiations. Now, if, if if the France family ultimately does not want to keep the charters, you know what what will be their their recant to, to make these teams whole, and that and that's the biggest problem because and we can touch you know we can move on and talk about it. Well, it's, it it's going to tie it's going to tie into the next topic, but I, yeah. I think I, I think generally speaking here. And I, as a sports fan, we watch other sports do this as well and have grown entirely. I think it, it, it is it personal, in my personal view here, it is if they don't situate this out in the next, I say, six to eight months here, Chris, NASCAR, the drivers can seriously say we're not racing. And I don't, I mean, I know the TV rights deal is going to be the, the, the next topic we talk about here. But all this ties into money, okay, ladies and gentlemen. The sport of NASCAR is not cheap to drive. NHRA is the same example of this, okay? They they don't call they, th these things don't go down the racetrack or drag strip for free. They cost money. They it costs people salaries, equipment. Which, by the way, with NASCAR now having what I like to call basically, it's cookie cutter on cookie cutter racing it's stock car stock car supposedly could be unless you're hendrick motorsports that can cheat and get away with it all the time uh even as a hendrick motorsports fan in the 90s this is a whole different part of cheating that i can't seem to understand or fathom but not going to go down that topic today because I, I just feel it's a detriment to racing as a whole but to me when you watch these bigger sports, these larger brands, Chris, I think, okay, look at look at Home Depot, very large entity, Lowe's, Nesty, Kel Granger, um, 3M, barely has investment in the sport now. Some of these large, large conglomerates, Chris, that used to be really big into the sport, no longer here. Or have a very low, low payout. Miller Coors. No offense to uh, to the Penske counterparts there, but it seemed like, I mean, I'd rather have Miller Coors on my car than Bud Light right now, just saying. But 
that's another topic for another day. But I, I just think that you have to find a way to get investment into the sport. And the charter system was basically a way to, I would say, inject new money and new investors into the sport. Michael Jordan, the man has more money than God, Chris, practically. He doesn't have to do that. But obviously with Denny Hamlin leveraging his relationship with Michael, said, hey, let's go Habsies on this, which I don't even know how that's even possible with Denny Hamlin's salary. But, uh, you know, who am I? But they make a race team. Justin Marks, I believe it was, it's Justin Marks, right? Not David right, Marks. Right. Now, let's talk about this for a second. Chip Canassi, I, I feel like, not saying he's an elder statesman of the sport, but he really is an elder statesman of the sport because he obviously has multiple vested interests across multiple motorsports series. And when he, I guess you could say, purchased, uh, I think, he, I, I'm sorry, they merged with Earnhardt, uh, Earnhardt, uh, DEI, yeah, DEI, DEI, yeah. You you kind of saw that kind of writing on the wall with Earnhardt uh, doing that, but then this situation, I think, Chris, I think we can talk about it off air, but I think it was the the DC Solar deal kind of going down the tubes. Kyle Larson leaving a team with through his own fruition, um, through his own conduct, uh, and then you kind of saw. I would say an in limbo sponsorship opportunities for the team. And you, if you were Chip Ganassi, you saw there was, you're going to get a huge money offer from a guy that knows the sport. Justin's not a complete stooge by any means of the imagination. He's a very smart human being um, from all Reddit and, and details and, and, and people around the sport. He knows this stuff. You know, he might not have raced a lot, but he he's been around the scenes and he knows his stuff and let him do well. I think, you know, colleague racing is another one. I think Chris, we haven't spoken about them. Um, yeah. you know, those guys having a more, I would say vested interest in the sport. Obviously they were an Xfinity team for quite a period of time, but for them to go to the cup level, I, there was rumors and inklings talking about Dale Earnhardt jr. Going into the cup level. Right. So all this charter system, is giving people the opportunity to invest into the sport of a really grueling schedule and that needs new money built into it. Because unfortunately, the teams do have a valid point. It is not easy to obtain sponsorships anymore. And if they are sponsorships, they have to be approved by the governing body. We saw that with the Bitcoin people and the cryptocurrencies and, the, and, the, and even the gambling, uh, the sports betting, DraftKings, uh, uh uh, we can go FanDuel. We, they they couldn't acquire some of these guys are they have they call it bring money, but they have to be approved prior to being in the sport. And it's like, come on now, how about NIL? NIL in college is, is uh, I think we just saw it with the Pat McAfee show today, Chris, where governing and sanctioning bodies have too much overreach into the expansion of the sport and how it goes. But they want these guys to be outwardly going outgoing and to acquire their own success. So it's a kind of equilibrium here. Like, I don't think, I think NASCAR is really not doing anyone any favors. And uh, you make, you make a really good point because not only, not only from a, from a, from a, uh, spot, you know, a sponsorship standpoint, our team's trying to find money and, you know, 
and a lot of times you're seeing teams poach money from other teams, but also the uh, the league itself, you know, the sanctioning body itself has been known to take sponsors for its own um, official official uh, needs as well. So you, you're really fighting, uh, you know, on top of on top of you know that money, fighting for that money against other sports leagues and against everything, you know, a changing a changing uh, environment of how people consume sports and consume media and how many more outlets there are for for companies to use their their marketing dollars that's not you know on the side of a race car so no that's a that's a that's a really outstanding i i think we can i think chris we can kind of go into this a little bit but we don't have to go into the entire weeds of it but is there contractual obligations that are different for a race car driver that brings said sponsor to the team compared to contractual obligations that are brought by the team to the car in a sense where like, how do I put it? Is it beneficial for the sport as a whole, not the sanctioning body, but as the driver, obviously the driver is going to leverage that relationship to get into the ride. Like that's how most guys do this. If they, if you're naive to think that Bubba Wallace got that ride based on it results. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, you have no idea what you're talking about. That man brought over $40 million of sponsorship with him. That's what he got him that right. Um, but in a multi-year contract. So here, here's my, my question is let's say, let's say you're a race car driver, Chris, right? You're a race car driver, local level guy moving up through the series. Is your relationship with that sponsor going to get out leveraged? Like we saw this with Pennzoil. Sorry, nothing personal, but like, why is Pennzoil name of a on a race in Las Vegas, but also on the, a Penske car only well, a handful think, of times? Like, it's kind well, of weird. I, I th- well, I think you, you you see, and that's a good point. I think you see now um, there are less what we call B two C, you know, business to, mm-hmm. to consumer companies involved in the sport. Like you, you mentioned, Mars and Target, Home Depot and Lowe's, and you know these B two C type companies. Now you now you see the larger b2b type plays that you're seeing in terms of sponsorship where they use they use the, the car the experience um you know the, the the folks who are at the racetrack the ceos the cmos the, the c-suite type people and that's where you're making their negotiations now when you look at uh an owner like like roger penske or rick hendrick you know who have these large outside businesses that you know are not involved you know they're not involved in racing, but involved in things like, uh, you know, the automotive space, dealerships, uh, truck rental, um, and they can and they can utilize those those brands like the Pennzoils and, and the Valvolines and all the different brands that are involved in in that business. So, say for example, if, if uh, I've read somewhere in the show, the list we can go through the list. We can go through the list of big name companies that have have a name on a race that have normally have been on a race car team of some type. And that's what's really like, it seems like NASCAR is also leveraging. This is my point I was making is they're also leveraging. Okay. So let's say you, Chris bring, let's say Pennzoil with you before all this. Let's just say hypothetically that Pennzoil was never in the sport until you came to the sport you brought. Let's say you're in the truck series and you have Pennzoil as your sponsor. And 
they they would like to have additional spend, but NASCAR reaches out to them and they say sure, and they they, they sponsor the the Las Vegas race. See what I'm saying? Like it seems like to me they're poaching said opportunities as well. NASCAR is doing that. Not saying they are doing that in real world, but I believe that they do. Okay, like the for example, Atlanta Atlanta Motor Speedway, Quick Trip. Uh, sorry, but Quick Trip could be a sponsor on a race car team right now. The amount of spend that they have in the sport, they could they could sponsor somebody. They don't choose to. You know, yeah, um, I mean, and I mean, we can get more in, and some of that stuff too. Is you Pepsi you back in the day? Back back yeah. in the day, Pepsi was with Jeff Gordon. They're not. Yeah, any, they're not in any Hendrick Motorsports team right now. And you know? and, and, and uh, some of the big challenges, and some of those sponsorship deals, especially the the racing top deals, a lot of those can tend to be what they call pass through deals. Um, but I, I think one of the challenges for any, for any real, I mean, for any sport, but especially in our, especially in, uh, in motorsports is that whenever you have a CEO or CMO or an upper level management change, you know, one of the first things that they do when they come in is they look at every line item of where they're spending money. And, um, unfortunately for a lot of these big, big corporate sponsors, these big companies that have left the sport, um, it's because a CEO comes in and looks at every line item and says, "Well, you know, this is this doesn't seem like a good utilization of our of our marketing dollars, and and that that is uh, you know that that is written off." All right, so this this ties into the simple facts now going into the TV rights deal. So TV rights deal, Chris, we can, we're going to go into this. But I can think of many ways that media now is consumed. And unfortunately, none of them are really good for regular broadcast television. Is that best to say? That, that's best to say. And I think let's, let's touch on real quick how... Um, how, where, where, t, where the current TV model stands, where it started, how it's, how it's evolved to where we are right now. So, basically, let let's go back, let's go back 20, 20 plus years, uh, pre two thousand one. So at that at that current point in time, there was no, there was no, uh, let's say there was no television rights deal that was being pushed directly by the sport, by by the by NASCAR, by the sanctions. At that time, all the racetracks, so every individual facility, um, unless they you know, under a big conglomerate, all did their own television rights. So at that time, you had, I think we had uh, CBS, we had TNN, T TBS, um, NBC had just started getting involved. So you had, you know, if yeah, you want to don't forget NASCAR, Speed Channel now. That that was great. Speed Channel, and, uh, even, before, even before Speed Channel. Uh, <laughs> but they, before, but before that you had, but you had about five. If you wanted to watch NASCAR, then Winston Cup racing. You, there were about five or six different stations you could watch it because all their television. ESPN was involved. I should mention, um, they had their own television. They, the the facilities itself had their own television contracts. So, move into two thousand and one, which was the big, which was the big Kahuna when they finally 
when NASCAR finally worked with all the racetracks and said, hey, we need to put this under one umbrella. We can't we can't all be out here pitching our own television contracts. We need to all be under one roof. So that's what brought in the original television contract, which with Fox and with uh, NBC and Turner Sports, um, where they split the season down the middle. Um, and then at that time, every other year, the, the, the networks, NBC and Fox, would trade off uh, the Daytona 500. So uh, that television contract ran through... Um, Granted, 2006, and then was brought, and then a new television contract popped up for 2007, which uh, saw uh, NBC step away from from covering NASCAR, and then ESPN came back in, and that tele, and then that television contract with Fox and ESPN ran through the 2014 season, and then the current television contract we're on has been in uh, in, in has been going since 2015 with uh, with Fox and, um, and NBC. So following the end of the 2024 season will be uh, for 2025 would be the new television contract deal. Uh, the current television deal is valued at $8.4 billion. So roughly each year is roughly about a billion dollars a year uh, that these networks are paying um, for live NASCAR content. So is it 10 years? Is it 10-year contracts, understandably, like between the two? They bid it out every 10 years? Yeah, bid it out every 10. Well, I guess uh, this this last one was 10 years. I think the, okay. the, the first one would have been a five-year five deal. Um, okay. That, but, the, uh, but yeah, that's, that's currently where it stands. So, uh, so and it, right now, the way that the, way the model is written, uh, okay. about 64% of that money goes to the... Uh, Tim, I think you might be able to look at that article there. Yeah, I don't the percentage the percentages on it are it's pretty staggering how much money the the governing body makes compared. I guess you can say, uh, what do you want to call it? Uh, or oh, share? Uh, I was going to say uh, stakeholders. Stakeholders, yeah, the stakeholders in it have certain percentages that they are obligated to concede or to receive from said right media deal, but like, it's it just, to me, uh, Chris, I, I hate to say it, we're going to go down to the, the weeds of this here, but like the stakeholder here, it's very highly leveraged towards NASCAR as a governing body. It's not a very owner friendly deal. So I see where these guys are saying, let's, you know, you got to give us a little bit of control here, and if that's the, the the hill that they're willing to to stand on, in a sense, to kind of, I, I would say, broadly get um, get it get it accomplished, where it's an equal rights deal, where it's I'm not saying money wise. I think the money, I think money can be moved around percentages and and things like that, but overall. Uh, it's definitely a heavy NASCAR gets a good percentage. Obviously the owners get their payout, but like there's, I would say a discrepancy uh, that can be investigated on, or maybe would, there's some, I would not say a discrepancy, but I would say there's some opportunities there for the ownership to actually make more than they do now currently. And, 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 I, I, think, I, and I think you look at it from an owner's perspective, 
owner's perspective. Absolutely. And you say to yourself, listen, we, we put the show on. We're, we're, the, we're the face of the sport. With, without us, there is no racing. So we should be the we should be the best compensated of anybody here, or most heavily compensated here, because without us there is no racing, um, which I, I completely I completely understand. I think another I think another frustration is the fact that these tracks get such a large cut of uh, of the revenue. It's like, but but there there seems to not be, and there are certain tracks we've seen heavy investment in in uh, development. Uh, development or uh, refurbishing, but there's a lot of tracks that honestly have not been touched. Um, and then, and, and, and racing or speedway, know. I'd be honest with you. It's, it's, it's a, we could, we could talk about numerous racetracks that they, there's no incentive to go to the racetrack anymore. There really isn't uh, for a race fan to go to a racetrack at certain racetracks because of the way that the infrastructure at said racetrack is designed. It's not fan friendly. Let's just be candidly honest. There's some tracks that I, I'm not saying to be negative towards people, but I I'm actually excited that, that Texas doesn't have a date, for, two dates this year. I'm happy yeah. because yeah. the fact that uh, not not to say this, but if anyone lives in the area, the infrastructure does not support. Um, even with the construction they've done and everything else they've done for the area. Not just for the fans, but for the race teams around the area. Uh, it's Texas Motor Speedway. I'm sorry, but you overexpanded. You don't do any marketing in the area to to promote the the race being in town. If you do, it's very low budget. And this 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 on the Sunday race is not even a third full. And you spend all this money, let's say, on the big old screen they got in the back stretch there, and. That's why you see Eddie Gossage leave, and that's why you see a lot of these guys leave because there's no money involved in it anymore. And and I think seriously, the TV rights deal, and, and Chris, what I was going to come down to this is, uh, I think Fox needs to bow out of, of the of, of the next TV rights deal. Um, let NBC take it and let them make it their thing, because I'm sorry, but looks like Fox is phoning it in every week. Every single week. Nothing personal with Clint Boyer. Clint Boyer is a great person, great personality for the TV stuff. Tony Stewart's trying to make Dirt TV look fantastic if he can. Uh, he has his own uh, extra uh, curricular activities going on with NHRA and, and doing some fun stuff off the track. But Mike, Mike Joy, I'm sorry, but it sounds like he sounds like the old senile old man pissed off at the world on television. He does a lot of cynical things. Uh, so I think Fox needs to kind of bow out and, and yeah. let NBC and let NBC take it. I think Dale Jr. is a great, great commentator. Uh, Steve Letarte, a lot of the guys on on the, I would say the NBC team, and I know it's not a it's not a comparison of TV crews and personalities here, but the NBC guys are ex, or not say ex, but former race car drivers of, and also maybe current ownership as well and, and they have they have vested interest in the sport um not saying clint boyer doesn't have a vested interest or tony stewart doesn't have a vested interest he's an owner too but a lot of the they need to recalibrate that fox team a little bit in my personal view if they're going to stay in it um and, and i yeah. think you're absolutely right in terms of the, the quality but here's here's a thought and, and i don't want to obviously we don't want to run over on our time but 
I think one of the things that is interesting about if we would see a new partner come in and take over from a broadcast standpoint, the chat the challenge for some of you know we you know we say oh it'd be great to have CBS or have um, you know if we had an AB, you know ABC come in and, and and take over, but one of the challenges when you look at it from the perspective of is also all these pro, all these networks have other um, live sports that they cover. You know, the, like for example, you know NBC. You know NBC is not going to um, not going to give up their ability to 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 cover the NFL. Um, you know, there's talk about CBS potentially being a bidder, and CBS has said, "Hey, we're we're you know we enjoy motorsports, but we're just not interested right now in it." Um, you know, Fox. You know, when they talk about well, why can't NBC do the the first half of the season and Fox does the back? Well, Fox has has the NFL, so um, there's a lot of other pieces kind of in this proverbial puzzle um, that that from a from a media standpoint, you know how how you know, how, how attractive is NASCAR um, from, from a consumer standpoint. So I think that's uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this too. You, you have different media entities not willing to bid on NASCAR anymore. ESPN, Disney, probably one of them. They got their own plate. They got a plate full of stuff going on there. You know, um, I mean, they just TNT, TBS has, they just got the, the NHL deal um, from NBC. So I, I think, there's some room I think NBC can really make kind of a headway. I'm not I'm not trying to n- tell people how to navigate through this process, but the sport as a whole is on the verge of basically becoming very, 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 very like you're gonna see the narrative is gonna change very soon here if this TV rights deal goes in a certain way, and it's not as high leverage and high money making for the ownership. And I think that's what the ownership is seeing is that the new TV deal, unless you get a big, a big, big, uh, I would say a big streaming platform come in and, and basically make it an exclusive partner. Yep. Um, like I'm not saying Amazon will do this, but like if you make a big media partner, maybe YouTube TV or something along those lines, I'm not saying they should, I'm just saying, unless you see some potential interest from said streaming platform, you are not, the ownership team's got basically a, a NASCAR. They could basically say, "Hey, we're not going to go to the tracks. We're going to re- we're going to work yeah. a reduced schedule. We're only going to work. Uh, we're going to do twelve races this year. That's what we're going to bring to the track." Well, then, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but out of thirty six weeks a year, let's say we're going to cut it down to half. Let's just say half a schedule, right? You bring only half a schedule, and then well, the TV partners you be like, "Well, we don't want we don't want NASCAR anymore." And then it's all it's all about the leverage. So I, I think realistically, Chris, between the the charter, I would say disagreement, there's some opportunity there. If NASCAR also starting negotiating in good faith uh, with some of the, the, the profit sharing, as they call it, uh, I think overall we can start seeing some headway and some movement down the line on the TV rights deal. Uh, they don't come close on the profit sharing. I think we can say that NASCAR is going to have a very dark next two years here. Um, and I, I think overall what you need to start seeing is a way for the sport to kind of leverage. 
I, of course, I speak like a salesperson now when I say this, but like leverage relationships with different types of companies that are not conventional. I don't, I don't say that like the cryptocurrency people should be involved in to allow a sponsor a car. And all. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about startups should be able to be involved that don't have to go through a crazy vesting process or in, in divert. You know, they have to divide, divest everything to the NASCAR sanctioning body before they get on a car. I, I mean, I'm not talking about like why. Why don't we allow? Okay, we allow Miller Coors. On a car, we used to allow Jack Jim Bean on a car, spirits. Um, but we don't allow certain companies like sports betting. Prime example of this, okay? Sports betting is across the country being widespreadly accepted legislatively through most. It's working its way through the process. So why can't DraftKings, FanDuel, MGM's already on one car? RCR. RCR. So why can't these other bodies be involved? And I think what you're seeing is some kind of hesitation on these bigger conglomerates as well going, hey, I see better leverage from this. So NASCAR has a challenge on its hands. How do you gain more money so these guys can get sponsors on said race car without, I hate to say this, but the driver itself is essentially bringing their own money. They're, they're working out these relationships themselves. And that's where I'm seeing it. it. It's NASCAR as a whole has to really do some soul searching. I think as a, as a, as a sport here and, and find out an equilibrium here. Also the schedule influx the last two years. I'm not saying Chris that I beg for this. Remember I begged for this a couple years ago. I said, Hey, we need to do some more short track. Racing. We need to do some other stuff. We need to do some couple, you know, circuit you know some road course race and throw that in there well nascar listened to the fans all right but they threw the worst road courses there was in america onto the schedule and well, they hell they even built a street circuit in chicago where you can get shot at wire race in a 200 mile an hour race car nashville sounds like a great idea to do that perfectly good idea um I, I just think, Chris, I want to hear your view on that later on, probably a couple of weeks. Is is Nashville how is that how is that being passed over for Chicago? Like probably <laughs> one of the greatest cities in in the South to 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 have new infrastructure and, and investment and gets passed over for Chicago. But and then they move Road America, they eliminate that off the schedule for that. Makes no sense. But yeah, I, I divest, man. I, I mean, I know I went on a tangent there, but I divest. But like, it's it's one of those things, man. Like NASCAR, you can't expect guys and fans to be really invested in the sport anymore when you keep changing the schedule. I'm sorry, Bristol Dirt needs to go. Go back to the old Bristol. Way more fun. Just saying. Bristol Dirt, very boring. I think this is a good conversation. I know, man. I know this is another topic for another conversation later on, but I, I think we both can agree unless NASCAR kind of gets their head so far out their other keister and, uh, and negotiate in good faith with these guys. Ownership got them over the barrel. And I think <laughs> it's going to be next interesting next two years. Exactly. Once we, uh, sure. Once any, any movement happens on it, we'll, uh, 
have another uh, podcast and talk about it. Hopefully, I have some good news. Absolutely. I appreciate it as always, guys. Uh, sorry to go a little long on this one, but uh, you know it's always a good, interesting topic to talk about. As always, feel free to follow us on uh, social media for all future updates as well. And uh, have a good rest of your week. Don't work too hard. Make sure you vote early and you vote often. That being said, Yankee Cowboys signing up. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Yankee Cowboy Podcast. Feel free to follow us on social media via Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. 